Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to today's live Q&A. I am John Papaloni. I'm here inside the Royal Page boardroom, and we're recording our live q and I'm so excited. It's been a while since we've done it. Uh, we're back on track. We're back to getting everything going and running. It's going to be a fun show, and we're going to uh, get started with the questions in just a moment. I want to make sure that uh, we're up and running on all platforms, and we are. We're saved live. There we go. Here we go. All right. Ready to go. Ready. And this is exciting. Okay, so we're going to start off with, you know, question number one. Oh, I want to say before I start off, if you have a question and you want me to answer it, it is a live Q&A. Put it in the comments. I will get it. I will see it. And I will most definitely answer your questions here today. So don't be shy. Don't hesitate. I uh, That's what I'm here for, to answer your question. Any real estate question you have or anything you want to ask me, really. Um, so here we go. It's going to be real estate question number one. I am looking at a townhouse and plan to do a major renovation on it. How can I tell if the wall I want to tear down is a load bearing wall or not? Now, that is a very good question here. And now, really, if the house is not open, right? Like if you have all the walls that are closed and the drywalls up and stuff, the ceilings are closed, it's not, and you don't have, and the basement is finished, it's almost impossible to tell, almost keyword is impossible to tell while the home is uh, still put together. You almost have to, you know, be able to uh, punch holes in the wall and to see where the joists land and all that. Um, when you're in your renovations and you open it up, you'll be able to see it. it. You'll see the post. You'll see where they connect. It is very obvious. Um, I suggest maybe uh, checking with a, a structural engineer. Um, that will be able to uh, tell you. Anyways, your contractor, when they get in there and they open up the walls, will be able to tell you where it is. They uh, have a general idea and will be able to help you with your planning and uh, and letting you know what you need to do to be able to open up that wall. I mean, let's put it this way. 99% of the time, if there's a wall that you wanted to open up, you can open it up. It's not really a problem. Um, the question is whether or not it'll be uh, worth the money or not. And based on where the structure is, we'll determine whether or not it's worth the money. And that's going to be part of the uh, quote, the construction quote and uh, stuff like that. So yeah, it is always going to be a possibility to open it up. You might just have, uh, might have to uh, do a lot more work to it and put uh, different beams in. And as a result, that's going to cost more money. Uh, but in terms of uh, finding it before you open up the walls, yeah, you can't do it without punching holes in the walls or the roof or ceiling. So that's pretty much that. So there's no option there. So let's move on to question number two. I saw an online article. Sorry, I saw an article online that says that people no longer want to buy condos and that the condo market has slowed down. What are your thoughts on this? Should I be worried? Now, right now, <laughs> negative news, you know, negative news, let's be clear. Negative news sells papers. Negative news gets viewers. Negative news gets eyeballs. So, a lot of clickbait going on, a lot of stuff like that's happening, and we're going to get, uh, you know, some uh, negative comments like that. Um, at the end of the day, what they're referring to really is uh, new construction or pre-construction, which is basically when you're buying from a builder, you have a plain lot, there has been a little bit of a slowdown in those condo sales, but resale condos are still selling just like 
always. The issue is the uh, cost to put up a new construction project is a lot higher. Like I'll give you an example. You'll find a, you can find a resale uh, condo, one bedroom, one bathroom, and you can find that just say for 600,000, that same unit new construction is going to be 750. So, it used to be the opposite. It used to be more opportunities. Right now, it's a little bit more difficult. There still is value in new construction, but that's where they've seen the slowdown. There still is value because remember, you're buying, you're future buying basically. You're 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 getting into it. You're uh, putting your down payment now, and you're only putting in ten percent now, and you're not putting in your twenty percent till later. So what you're doing is you're putting in now without getting a mortgage, without getting those bills, and you're going to close later now and three, four years, five years, whatever it is that the building is built, that's the projected rate of what it's going to be. So you're not really behind, but yeah, there has been a, a little bit of a pullback on new construction, but hey, that's picking up again as well. So, you know, that's what the article was referring to, um, but no, it's, uh, you know, there's a shortage of inventory right now. Pretty much everything is selling. Maybe not as fast as people like, but they're selling. And, you know, if it's right priced right, you're going to get offers. That's what it comes down to. That's the bottom line. Um, number three, I just moved into a condo and I'm in need of two parking spots. The condo I bought only has one included. How do I go about to find a spot that someone is willing to rent out? Is there a website or something? Uh, the answer to that is simple. No. Um, what you would do is probably go to the mailroom people often have uh, signs posted on the board there or on a usually like there's a little news board or whatever and people put their sign like a little sign saying you know parking spot for rent uh, call and has a phone number you can call them and negotiate with them sometimes if you talk to the property manager they'll uh, they would have uh, come across somebody looking to rent maybe they might know um, sometimes uh, if you see a realtor that's uh, you know has a place for rent or has a place for sale there Sometimes they know what's going on in the building. They may know who's, you know, looking to just reach out to somebody. But yeah, just keep an eye out on in terms of um, keep an eye out into in, in the main lobby or the mail room to see if there's any signs. That's basically the easiest way. Maybe even if you talk to neighbors when you uh, are on the are on the elevator, hey, say hey guys, how's it going? Introduce yourself and then turn around and say hey, I'm looking for a parking spot. If you know anybody wants to rent those out. So it's pretty much looking within the building. There's no actual websites to look for parking spots within your building. All right. Question number four. I was thinking of getting a second home, but would not qualify for a conventional mortgage based on the stress test. I was thinking of using a private equity loan. How does this work? And is it worth it for me to use this or am I better off to wait? Ah, great question. Well, let me start off with getting into what is a private equity loan. Basically, a private equity loan is not conventional, obviously. It's not where you're getting a, a loan from the bank and you're paying it amortized over 25 years or whatever. It is a, usually a temporary loan where investors are looking to invest their money and they're giving out their own money as a mortgage and it gets registered to title. It's a private loan and it's usually brokered out through the mortgage, through a mortgage broker as well. Um, there are fees. Usually the interest rates are higher than the conventional loans. So 
what ended up happening, I'll give you an example, a typical first, uh, first mortgage on a private loan is typically around 8%. Then there's a 1% fee to, uh, for the loan. And then there's a, a, about a $1,000 broker fee for the broker who put it together. So not a cheap way to go. Typically, those private loans are best as uh, if you need a temporary loan, like you're doing a renovation and you, once the renovation is done, you're going to sell the house and recoup your money. That's usually the kind of thing, and it's for smaller amounts. If you're going to get a uh, secondary home, my guess is the mortgage is going to be pretty big, and that's going to be quite a big interest payment. So to use private equity to buy a, uh, to buy a secondary home, I think, is a very bad idea. Too many fees to the percentage, again, 8% on a first, uh, you know, first uh, mortgage. And it's like uh, 12 to 14% on a second mortgage. It's just way too high to be worth it for, uh, for a, you know, investment property. That's my opinion. At the end of the day, you have to decide what's right for you and what's not right for you. So in, in terms of that, then yeah, no, I would hold off on that secondary property if you need a private loan to do it. It's just way, way, way too expensive. So, but like I said, there's a 1% fee, broker fee, a 1% fee for the lender. There is a $1,000 broker fee. Then there's, and the interest rates are 8 to 12%, depending on first or second mortgage. Just meant for construction loans, second mortgages, short-term loans that you just need the money now, but you're going to be able to pay it off within a year or two. And it's just usually to improve something, to raise value or something like that. That's the only time I would recommend the private loan that way. So moving on to the next question. Question number five, which is a riskier choice? Buying a rental property on my own or investing in a real estate investment fund? What are the advantages? That is another good question. So in terms of the risk, I think the risks, when you're investing in, a, in an investment fund, what you're doing is taking the passive approach. You got a, uh, some money. What you want to do is take that money, pass it on, so, and invest in a, in a real estate project, but it's someone else's project. That fund, you're just funding the project. What, what's happening is you're investing in the company. The company's buying the, the, the project and, the, and, and all the uh, properties, and you're just taking a uh, percentage or whatever it is from that. So, And it's sort of like a mutual fund or an RSP or something like that where you're getting your little uh, – and you're getting your interest payments there, whatever, and all that, and it grows with the fund and all that. Um, the risk on that is that you have no control whatsoever – and the investment, you have no say when they sell, don't sell, uh, what they do with it, and uh, the operating expenses on that. Uh, the fund manages everything and then just pays you the percentage of, of um, profit or whatever the agreed percentage is, and that's pretty much all you get. Now, the downside is that, again, things get rough. They unload the asset. They unload it on a loss. You lost money. Where if you're on a... Uh, on your own property, if you bought a secondary property on your own and you did it, the advantage there is if the market takes a dip, you just hold on for a few more years, then you can sell it. You're in control. Or if you're bleeding money and it's starting to feel squeezed, you have the opportunity to take the loss and hit and you decide what you're going to lose or what you're going to make because you waited. So it's all on your control. Now, the disadvantage of doing it on your own is it's not passive income. Anybody who tells you rental properties are a passive income, you ask them how many rental properties they have. Ask landlords what it's like. It is far, far, far 
from passive investing. Rental units, landlording as we'll call it, comes with a lot of work. You know, you get a leak in the basement, tenant's going to call you. Uh, dryer doesn't turn on, tenant's going to call you. Fr uh, stove breaks, tenant's going to call you. Roof leaks, tenant's going to call you. You don't uh, get paid rent, you got to go chase it. Grass isn't cut, you're responsible. Landlording is far, far, far from <laughs> passive income. You got to manage it. You got to put in the work. And it's not simple. But there's opportunity to be, make money as a landlord. You take on the work, but the, you have complete control versus uh, you know, an investment fund. It's under someone else's control. May not necessarily, you got to decide which one's for you. Neither of them are bad choices, to be clear. So whether you want to, if you want true passive income and you want it in someone else's hands, invest in the real estate investment fund. If you want to be more hands-on and you want complete control, manage your own property. If you want neither of these, invest in stocks or whatever else you're going to invest. What can I say? So with that being said, you know, ultimately it's your choice, but those are really the differences. So just a reminder to anybody who's tuning in at this point in time, this is the real estate Q&A. If you have a question, you can put it in the comments. I will respond and answer them here. Um, in the meantime, we're going to go to question number six. I am interested in a multiplex for an investment unit, mainly because I realize the ability to cash flow on a single family home or condo in Toronto is near impossible today. With the interest rates and the cost of acquisition, is this still possible to cash flow by going with a multiplex? Now, that is a very complex answer because what are the multiplexes uh, going for these days, right? So if a single family home is going for 1100000 multiplexes are going to be up there as well. Um, is it possible to cash flow? Going from experiencing the possibility of cash flowing, if you're looking at the downtown core, my answer is going to be no. That's from experience. Um, just my own observation. Is it impossible? No. It's possible you can find a distressed property or a uh, landlord that's uh, anxious to uh, sell it and is willing to sell it at a lower price, you know, just to make a quick sale. But all in all purposes, if you want a cash flowing property, multi-residential, you're going to have to leave the downtown core. Now, I believe you can get stuff out there that cash flows still, whether maybe we'll say the Hamilton market, that's a possibility. Again, what you have to do is look at cost of purchase and the average rents in the city. Do that comparison, see what it costs to purchase, see the average rents, get a, uh, see what the mortgage will be and compare the numbers. More than likely, you're going to, you're going to have to be outside of uh, the downtown core regardless of uh, the type of property. So with that being said, let's move on to the next question. I am seeing an increase in the amount of sold signs in my area. I'm taking that means the market has picked up a bit. In today's circumstances, what is your stance on home inspections? Are we back to having to scrap them in order to get a successful offer? Or are we at a stage where conditions are acceptable? Now, another unique uh, answer here. And the truth on this one here is a little bit of both. And yeah, I know that's a confusing answer, right? So yeah, let me let me explain that one. Now, there's a lot of bidding wars going on, and it's not the same as it was before. Where, example, you list a property for nine hundred thousand, 
and you wait for offers, offer day comes in and it sells for 1.4. That's not really happening. Typically not saying that it doesn't happen, but typically it's not been happening. What's been more likely that the house is, uh, if you were going to list it for a million and 50, you list it for 990 and you might get a million 40, million 60, a million 90. That's more like not more of where we are in terms of home inspections. If you got a lot of offers, chances are the one with the home inspection is the one that gets bypassed. If you're competing against two to three people, you might have a chance. That is a possibility still. So some are winning with home inspections. Some are winning without. Um, Again, obviously, if the madness continues, this may become a problem, but we're not there yet. So right now, look, I never recommend not having a home inspection, but I realize there's a certain point in time that if you don't remove it, you're just not going to get it. Again, you got to look at the area, look at the amount of competing offers. Your realtor will know how many offers they have when you're putting in yours, and you can judge it case by case. Ask the professional, ask the realtor you work with for each offer, and they'll be able to give you the best possible advice based on the information they have. Um, again, summer inspections are going through, some are not. Like I helped a client, uh, we'll say about two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, and in that circumstance, the uh, we had both a financing and a home inspection clause in there, and we still got the house. So it is possible. So I'm not going to say it's not possible, and I never recommend taking it out. Again, got to judge it case by case. So I would ask your uh, realtor at the moment based on the house you're interested in. Going on to, oh, thanks, Jeff. Uh, Going on to question number eight, and it's my last question so far, unless one comes in. Looking to make a move. Thinking of selling in June, looking around the same time. My question is, should I sell my home first or buy my new home first at this time? Um, again, a year and a half ago, my answer would have been 1000% sell it first today. I mean, sorry, buy first, sell after, cause it's harder to buy right now. We're still on that uh, leveled mark market. It is still getting a little bit more difficult, but it's not impossible where we were like we were before. So right now for all intents and purposes, cause we don't know how long your house is going to take to sell because it's not instant like it used to be, won't be so guaranteed in three days, I would sell first and buy later. You might just have to be a little bit more aggressive after you got your sale and you have to buy. So, hey, you know what? If you know you have to move, you know you're selling, just get aggressive. That's my advice. At the end of the day, if you if you bought and you haven't sold, now you got to figure out whether you qualify for bridge financing, and that could pose a problem. So, which is why I say sell first, you got your firm offer, not with conditions. Once it's a firm offer, conditions are waived, go aggressive and buy your place. This has been the Real Estate Q&A for Thursday, May 25th. Thanks for tuning in. We are going to be back for another Real Estate Q&A in two weeks. And we're going to have special guest Joseph Sequera back in the show. Thanks for tuning in. Send me your DMs and we'll get them on to the next show. This has been the John Papaloni Show.